Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for March 9. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. In the midst of the turmoil of the West, the evil invasion of Ukraine, and the threats to a law-based world order, where is your hope for the future? Come with me to the letter of Paul the Apostle to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 12, through chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, to chapter 4, verse 1. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us, then, who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the examples you have in us, for many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even in tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of His glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Drawing his metaphor from athletics, Paul says he presses on in his walk with the Lord. A rower once told me his training hours. Rising before daylight, six days a week, 52 weeks a year, no matter the weather. I asked him why he did it. The podium, he responded. As we press on to the future, we are to invest our lives in the present so that we will experience the prize Jesus Christ holds out to us. This is not about works. Earlier in chapter 3, Paul says he puts no confidence in the flesh. Not having a righteousness of my own, he says, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. When we turn to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, God applies Christ's righteousness to us. We are now to live in that new relationship. But we're not there yet, Paul is saying. We need to press on to the day of resurrection when everyone will be summoned from their grave and brought before God's judgment seat. That time is yet to come, but it is guaranteed because Jesus rose from the dead. And Paul says, in pressing on, we need to be deliberately forgetful. Forgetting here is the opposite of remembering, putting the past behind us and moving forward. For Paul, it meant putting behind a rules-based religion by a deliberate and studied forgetfulness. 
Now, it's easy to put our trust in anything other than our ongoing personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Over the years, I've had people tell me they've been involved in children's ministry, leading music, or Bible studies. Now, it's good to thank the Lord for opportunities to serve Him in the past. But as God's people, we don't live simply by looking to the past. Christianity is forward-looking. Which brings us to a second theme, holding fast. In verse 15 we read, Let those of us, then, who are mature, be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. It seems that there were some in Philippi who disagreed with Paul's teaching regarding their lifestyle. Some were teaching a perfectionism, rather than reckoning on the constant conflict between the flesh and the spirit and the reality that growing into maturity is a process. C.H. Spurgeon is reputed to have kicked in the shins a man who said he was perfect. The man's angry, vindictive reaction showed without any doubt that this was far from true. Follow my example, says Paul. I long to see you all arrive at God's finishing line, mature in the faith, having lived godly, fruitful lives. A warning follows in verses 17 through 19. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. To oppose the cross of Christ is destruction. It was with genuine sorrow, tears, that Paul spoke of those who worship themselves. Their God is the belly, he said. Self-satisfied and feeling no need to look beyond their own interests, their appetites dictate their lives. They glory in things of which they should be ashamed. Concluding that life now is all there is, they justify behaviour they ought to condemn. Back in the pages of the Old Testament, commenting on those who call evil good and good evil, the prophet Isaiah says, They put darkness for light and light for darkness. In Isaiah's day, people attempted to shape a moral code that was rooted in pleasing themselves. How important it is to remember that we are called upon not only to believe God's revealed truth, but to obey it. Paul's words here are similar to what we read in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. In our natural state, we attempt to suppress the truth. Having the awareness that God exists, humanity doesn't honour Him or thank Him for the good things they enjoy. Which brings us to a third theme. Our hope is in Christ alone. Our citizenship is in heaven, Paul writes in verse 20. It is from there that we are expecting a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation so that it may be conformed to the body of His glory, by the power that also enables Him to make all things subject to Himself. 
Our security is in Christ, who has not only risen from the dead, but who has ascended and is now with God the Father in heaven. Christ is now reaching down, as it were, calling us, drawing us through life to be with him where he is. Paul is saying that Christ has already secured the podium, the prize for us. His resurrection guarantees it. Our security is in Christ Jesus. What then should we treasure? Jesus. Jesus Christ. He is the one who bore our sins. He is the one who guarantees us new life and a new hope, glory and a crown. While our life in this world is fleeting, we have responsibilities to honour Christ in the way we live. We're also to press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In his Narnia book, The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis portrays Peter, Edmund and Lucy entering the land of Narnia, never again to leave. The unicorn summed up everyone's feelings. I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. So let me pray. Almighty God, we ask you to look on the heartfelt desires of your servants and stretch forth the right hand of your power to be our defence against all our enemies. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
a prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world, especially on the people of Ukraine at this time. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them, and the leaders of the world, the spirit that makes for war. We ask this so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one people and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And a prayer for those in need. Almighty God, we commend to your fatherly goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed, especially those who suffer and grieve in this time of war in Ukraine, and those who are impacted by the devastating floods on the east coast of Australia. We also pray for those who are known to us. May it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings, and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney. Philip Stopford's anthem, Do Not Be Afraid, is sung by the Cathedral Chamber Choir under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.